greeting to all the viewers and listeners around the world welcome to yet another exciting episode of airworthy talks by udan aviation academy today we have with us a very special guest from the world of aviation fto um he has worked across multifunctional role within the aviation industry right from revenue to operations and profit center to man management across large multinational organizations serving across middle east and indian continent he is none other than mr hemant dp ceo asia pacific flight training academy uh, hello hemant sir welcome to our show good evening thank you right um so hemant sir i just wanted to sort of start by asking you uh, what are some of the crucial milestones um, from your decades long career that had shaped you to become a successful aviation professional today um i'll uh, most important day is that uh, you know you need to lo- like what you're doing and uh-huh. uh, they say if you like what you're doing then it's no longer a job okay and easier said than done though because you might not always get what you want or what you like uh, i've been fortunate i i started off uh, uh, you know uh, my background is uh, pretty humble to start with uh, you know i'm a village boy grew up in a very small village near mangalo uh, you know 40 kilometers outside mangalo uh, you know i studied in a government school there my grandparents were teachers very small village like i said till fifth standard within there when i was just sitting in a house so uh, uh, from there the nearest airport was mangalore and i remember once a plane flew over our village which was very rare uh, must have been at whatever 10 20000 feet and the entire class including the teachers ran out to see that uh, uh, aeroplane so that was our first encounter with aviation uh, so to speak and then obviously it picked an interest and every kid i guess wants to see you know to fly or sit in an aeroplane at that time it was unthinkable i mean just a bus ride to mangalore was a big deal for us so sitting in an aeroplane was beyond reach beyond even thought reach but uh from there onwards and i i worked my way up i uh, my father was in defense so we were he was posted in delhi then i did my part of education here then i started off working uh in aviation specifically i w- started working in a company called blue dot as a courier uh and uh, you know the, the the then i got to go to the airport and see the aeroplane so that further picked the interest and then i went on to a company called TNT which is a Dutch multinational where i was handling airport operations then i went as a you know a country manager for UAE for TNT where again i worked with their planes loading and you know uh, all those stuff uh, you know we were doing load planning and the commercial aspect of it then of course i moved on to FedEx which is one of the world's largest airlines uh, largest take about 750 aeroplanes uh, 700 plus aeroplanes they have all type of it so obviously one is much closely associated when you're working in airline then decken where i had the opportunity to lease the aircraft and start a hub and spoke model in india with freighters wide body as well as a small uh, first air decken that was during the merger time that you know after the merger with kingfisher then we uh, decken opened a cargo airline then of course then i moved on to jmr airports uh, as a ceo there i was hands on handling you know the airport side of the operation wow. passenger cargo fuel from flight catering all those things again so this gradedly this grew and there uh, asia pacific was a wholly owned subsidiary of uh, gmr airports so i was given the responsibility of that to head it mm-hmm. and uh, uh, once i you know this was then i was like hands on with the aeroplane now inside the aeroplane so on and so forth so 2019 that was hived into an independent company and i took over as the ceo so that's my journey in brief wow uh, right from humble beginnings and i think that uh, still the joy of seeing aircraft uh, you know <laughs> i i am sure that it's still there right from your classroom days till now uh, yep. i'm sure that you are all you are still fascinated with when whenever you see the aircraft so i think that's a quite a story sir and uh, you know <laughs> it's it's quite a journey and um to all our listeners out here i think uh, the journey has not been easy for sir right from you know humble backgrounds to making it to the ceo level um, that's how the journey of industry is 
um we have got a lot of young listeners with us sir and um everyone is everyone is like fabricated with the you know glamour of aviation industry okay whether it is the pilots or the cabin crews um you are someone who has worn diverse hats uh, over the years have taken multiple positions so according to you sir what are some of the top soft skills and hard skills that aviation professionals should have in them before they are sort of looking to join the industry well soft skills most important not just for aviation uh, mm-hmm. for any business or any industry but especially aviation is your communication skills because uh, the industry primarily is there to cater to the public at large when it comes to an airline or a private jet to corporates or industrialists or individuals and then pilot training to students so right. your communication skill is most critical uh, contrary to popular belief there is a this thing that uh, you know you need to be glamorous you need to be good looking you need to be fair you need to be tall you need to be slim all that is garbage okay all those advertisements uh, that especially they put out there in the past thankfully now it's decreased a bit about you know how a girl you know wore a particular cream and then she got a job that is absolute garbage when we look at hiring people whether it's airport customer facing airlines or for that matter pilots it is your aptitude most important like i said communication skills and then your attitude which is you have to have a positive smiling disposition which means you cannot be sitting there with a scowl on your face in a counter on the phone or when interacting with the customers be it passengers cargo pilots whatever mm-hmm. so if you have those two then like we say used to say in my previous company any job requires basic literacy skills which is what i talked about one is communication both mm-hmm. writing and reading and comprehending because there are all manuals and all to study so you should understand numeracy skills basic mathematics division multiplication subtraction uh, etc and averages and stuff okay i am not talking qualifications here as you would notice i'm talking right. about capability doesn't matter you're a ba doesn't matter you are whatever school pass whatever as long as you master these skills mm-hmm. i mean we have stories in fedex where people are joined as courier and gone on to become the ceo of a 82 billion dollar company with 700 aeroplanes they learned on the way you can do your studies on the way no problem okay mm-hmm. if you have a you know degree in aviation very good but if you don't that doesn't preclude you from joining aviation technical if you want to get into an engineering line obviously you need to have technical qualifications such as an aircraft maintenance engineering degree or any other related degrees and of course to become a pilot it's fairly simple all you need to do is pass 12 standard in india you need to have physics and mathematics as subjects though it's not a high core requirement but indian uh, rules still dictate that however if you did not take physics and maths in 11th and 12th nothing to worry uh, even arts graduate or whoever can join first of all to become a private pilot license you just need 10 standards so there is you know you can start flying and as a private pilot you can fly 1000 hours you can fly a airbus 380 or a jumbo as long as you get your type certificate Right. but if you want to become a commercial pilot and you did not have physics and maths you can always appear for these exams through national open school uh, which is an external exam just for physics maths 12 standard takes some tuitions in case you've been out of touch with the subjects and you just need to pass the exams that's enough you're fit to be a pilot okay rest of it we will teach any so right. it's i want to demystify it you know a lot of people are rather uh, you know while oh pilot oh engineer oh aviation i need to do this that the other i mean you know there are a lot of courses out there advertising saying that we will enable you to become this that the other by doing this course not really not necessary sure for pilot license you need to have a pilot training course for engineers you need to do your engineering degree it's all given in the dgca website what's required beyond that Mm-hmm. there is a course prescribed for an airport professional for a ground handling cargo you can do that but that's not a pre criteria other than pilots and students mm-hmm. right and thank you so much sir you have actually laid down the basics of what is required 
um, with the hype of glamorous courses around aviation industry, I think having that basic sense of having the right communication skills, having the right aptitude, I think these are what the basic ingredients are. And thanks for highlighting those, sir. Now, uh, there has always been a constant tension in the industry about the job scenario. Okay. And the pandemic has been no different. It has actually sort of created or have escalated uh, more the, 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 the tension around job security. So what is your viewpoint now when it comes to the aviation job scenario? Has it liberated more? Is it still preferring the ones who have, who were laid off before the pandemic or how the situation is now, the job markets? Let me touch on the pilot's part, which is the most uh, mm-hmm. talked about and, uh, 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 you know, which is uh, has had a lot of newspaper coverage about pilots being laid off, etc. Very simple. 2019, uh, before pandemic, in the airport, I, I told you my previous assignment was as the executive vice president and CEO, CCO uh, of uh, GMR airports at Hyderabad. We have had five years of consecutive growth, a compounded annual growth of 10% year over year. Wow. That's more than doubling the business, five years, and it's the highest recorded anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. With pandemic onset, obviously, we went from that fantastic growth to zero, absolute zero. It's not happened anywhere ever in history that the entire fleet is grounded the very next day, zero. Okay, mm-hmm. even 9-11, America grounded planes for a couple of days, but the rest of the world was still okay. You know, connectivities got disrupted, but this was absolute blanket stopping for nearly three months. Mm-hmm. Any catastrophic event like that, obviously is bound to create a turmoil in, the, in, in any industry. Right. I think other than the medicine industry, everybody was in turmoil. <clears throat> so naturally, a lot of airlines, because the fixed cost of an avi- aviation company is very high. Okay, right. most of it is, you know, airplanes, manpower, airport, leasing, etc., etc. Now, some of these you cannot stop. Mm-hmm. You still have to pay uh, for the airplane, you know, for the buildings, etc. So they curtailed or laid off some force uh, manpower, which was simply not required because it was not known whether this pandemic will last for three months, two months, God forbid, six months, one year, nobody knew. Okay, ultimately in some form or the other, it's lasted for over two and a half years. Nobody could have envisaged such a thing. So when you ground the planes 100%, so you obviously there were job losses not just in pilots, everything, support, engineer, ground staff, airport, everywhere, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I must point out, though we were also completely grounded, we did not lay off a single person, nor did we delay the salaries we paid on time every month on the first. But not many people were lucky like that way. A lot of salary cuts were there, 30, 35%, salaries delayed, and some of them completely laid off. Now, as the started recovering towards end of 20, mm-hmm. we almost were touching 80% and we became rather, I would say, some amount of hubris set in, saying that, oh, okay, we have conquered it, we are now on top. And then the second wave hit us in 21. That knocked the wind out of us even worse than the first wave. First wave was the lockdown. Second wave was very deadly, as you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. died, we lost friends, we lost relatives, we lost some staff members, close relatives, by God's grace, we didn't lose any staff member, but a lot of them were seriously ill, hospitalized, etc. Mm-hmm. Again, we went into a back foot. Again, the flying stopped because who would fly when there's a, such a deadly virus around? Mm-hmm. So somewhere end of 21, the second recovery started and there was a talk of a third wave, so a little worry. So actual recovery properly started only in 22, beginning, middle like that. So naturally, now we are up to almost 100% of domestic uh, and international is fairly close in the, um, you know, uh, higher 70th, 80th percentile and, you know, more or less should be back online very soon. And if you look at ticket fares, both international and domestic, tells you that demand is very, very high. 
the tickets have gone through the roof, which is always a good sign from an industry perspective, which means there is place for more players, more planes, more flights, and uh, there are more passengers uh, traveling and there are more people using the airplanes. Same with cargo. So the first priority of any company would be to rehire those people who are already on your roads. That process is almost, almost complete. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Now, in case of pilots, when you rehire somebody, you, it's not like a, any other job, like a finance or accounting job you bring back and, you know, more or less, you brush off the little rust a bit and then you get back to the work. Here, you need to go through recertification. If you lost recency, if you lost currency on a particular airplane, etc., you need to do, you know, those recencies again, those uh, familiarization tests, etc. So it takes a bit of time. So that process is almost done. Now they have started hiring the ones who had letter of intent or offer letters in late 19s or early 20s. They are all being absorbed. And the fresher ones which passed out in 2021 now are being considered. And it's only a matter of time. The the, uh, last part about this is that please understand the hiring is directly proportional to the number of airplanes you have in the country. Okay. Unlike any other business, you don't hire a person and then say, okay, let's see what we can do. Uh, Each commercial airplane average requires eight to 10 sets of pilots, depending on your schedule. Let's say you operate from 0600 hours in the morning to let's say 23, 11 o'clock midnight. You require anywhere between six to 10 sets of pilots. That's 12 to 20 pilots. Okay, mm-hmm. to keep the plane flying seven days a week, 365 days a year with the weekly offs for the crew, you know, you know, the national holidays, you know, Deepavali, uh, 15th August, so on and so forth. Then the sick leave, casual leave, privileged leave, all put together. Mm-hmm. You need about that many. So India had about 600 odd commercial airplanes before pandemic, 650 approximately. We are already at 700. Mm-hmm. The confirmed reports of large agencies like CAPA, etc., says that India has a confirmed order booking of close to 900 aeroplanes over the next five to seven years, and another uh, narrow body airplanes, and another 100 on the wide body. That's about 1,000 planes, which is what the ministry and most aviation experts say, because we are woefully underserved as an aviation. Okay? We were about sixth, seventh largest in the country. We are expected to be third largest in the world, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the world. Uh, within 24, 25, even pre-pandemic, uh, IATA predicted that. Mm-hmm. Number two was China. Mm-hmm. China has close to 7,000 aeroplanes and we have 700. That's not a true potential. We are not 10 times smaller than China. Neither as an economy, nor as the size of the country, and definitely not as a population or per capita income. So we are underserved for various reasons. Aviation was a very regulated industry. Not many people came in. Some of the companies didn't do well because of internal reasons, nothing to do with the market. In the same market, companies like Indigo's have done very well. That tells you it's not the market. It's, you know, reasons outside of the market. Mm -hmm. So if we have another thousand aeroplanes, we are still at about 17, 1800 aeroplane, which is again less than one third of China. Right. Okay. And US has over 10,000 aeroplanes. Their population is 300 million. We are 1.3 billion. So they say in the 90s, in one colony, you had one telephone. I remember going to some uncle for PP phones or going to do STD in the night. Mm-hmm. We were somewhere beyond 150 intelligentsity in the world out of 200 countries. In 2000s, less than 10 years' time, we are the number two density in the world after China. Every man and his brother and his neighbor and his dog has a telephone. <laughs> so cars, automobiles. Hey, when I was growing up, if you had a car, you were a big shot. You see the old movie, 70s, 80s. You know, Nariman Point has one or two cars driving and the hero and the heroine is dancing in the middle of the road. Try and do that today, you'll be run over in two seconds. Okay. <laughs> Same thing in TV, fridge, etc. When we were kids, when I came to Delhi, I remember going to a neighbor to watch a cricket match or a movie. 
in the entire colony there would be two or three tele uh, you know televisions black and white and we would stand outside the window and watch some important match or some world cup football or you know some of the households would even put you know mats outside and bring the tv to the balcony so that more people can see because tv was not affordable today not only every man, every household every room has a tv every individual has his own tv even shanty towns have tv and fridges right this has been growth of india over the last 20 30 years you're telling me with that type of a growth guess how many indians should be flying i would say at least half if not more hmm. less than 10% indians fly just about 7 or 8% so a person who can afford a car a tv a fridge a mobile phone uh, you know a, a, a decent house again housing you know most indians used to live in a rented house or a government quarters now people are, you know you are having multiplexes all over multi uh, you know condominiums all over so people can afford all this but they can't afford a 5000 rupee ticket that's not right so they say the next revolution after the vehicle revolution the white goods revolution the telecom revolution it oh i forgot i mean computer my goodness you know people will say we are computerized company okay you know does anybody say that today okay everybody now your mobile phone has more computing power than the first laptop i got in fedex which had uh, i was told this is a very high power computer 2.5 gb hard disk i said whoa 2.5 i think people send videos of 2.5 gb these days okay Absolutely. so after all that revolutions vehicle automobile white goods uh, you know telecom housing uh, it revolution aviation is the next revolution which is at an inflection point and we'll go from this elitist which is no longer elitist but still 7% is very low to if you go from 7 to 10% it's a 50% growth nearly Yeah. that's the potential of aviation and we not just 2000 we need to have at least 5 to 10000 aeroplanes in this country to connect the length and breadth we are the seventh largest country in the world 3.3 million square kilometers and right. the road and rail takes even today to go from delhi to bangalore or to mangalore my hometown takes you 3 days on train on train i would just want 3 days in train rather than reaching there in 2 and a half hours and whereas a second ac or a first ac will cost you same 5 6000 rupees and the same amount if you book in advance in the plane you can reach so potential is not a problem we are going to have a severe shortage unlike it unlike whatever where you can relatively train faster not fast but relatively and the infrastructure required is a building computer etc here you need an airport an aeroplane a pilot a, you know an engineer a trainer etc so there is going to be a very high demand so there's absolutely nothing to worry about the job prospects there's about pilot of course like i said you need 6 to 8 uh, sets of pilots you need 6 to 8 sets of cabin crew too and that is multiplied by 4 mm-hmm. that's about you know uh, 30 people per aeroplane and then you multiplied by the 1000 aeroplanes how much is that it's 30 40 50 60000 people well trained mm-hmm. and there's a full pyramid there's the pilot there's the cabin crew then there's the engineers then there's ground handlers then there's the fuelers then there's the flight catering then there is the airport then there is the uh, you know uh, airport operations center so on and so on and so there parts manufacturers you know mm-hmm. the works so right right so i, I think it's you have absolutely um, sort of broken this chow in a question of mind to shortages to the economy and the greater context of how life has been in india to what it is now and i cannot agree more to you that if people today could afford smartphones and luxury you know living then obviously a flight ticket is not going to be that expensive so that justifies the demand right um i also have this um, question in my mind and a lot of our viewers have also asked me in person that pilot training is super expensive okay and uh, it goes into crores of rupees is going into lakhs of rupees and sometimes um, children are fed with wrong information there is this lack of proper guidance uh, by you know the the general markets out there so how do you feel that this challenge could be overcome this lack of uh, you know having the right guidance or having the right mentors in the market and how is uh, asia pacific catering to these things 
probably the most relevant questions uh, among mm -hmm. what you asked today. All are relevant, but there's even more relevant. Okay. Right. I'm glad you did ask. First and foremost, uh, expensive is a relative term. Mm -hmm. We have in this country again, how many people go for MBBS? Lacks and crores. And rightly so, because a country this size, even today, our doctor to patient ratio is one of the largest in the world. Mm -hmm. We need much more, especially in smaller towns, especially in government hospitals, etc. Even, I mean, we saw that during the pandemic, you know, mm -hmm. how woefully short we were of medical personnel. And I'm talking doctors, same goes for nurses and all that stuff. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. A medical degree. After you pass 12th, you have to go through a very tough competitive exam to get through to any colleges. Then I think it's four years minimum MBBS and then internship. And then you have MS or MD, which is another couple of years. Then again, internship. And then you go for super specialization. And my sister-in-law did that. And I was telling my wife, I said, dear, I have seen your sister only studying for the last 10 years. When is she ever going to do anything else? You know, she's a retina surgeon, a super specialist, and she and I, my brother-in-law. And, you know, when me and my wife were dating, I, she was studying. And when we had children, she was still studying. Okay. <laughs> said, because that's required, you know, to reach that level of specialization is required. And the cost there is in crores. Mm -hmm. Definitely a lot of lacks, if not gross. There are some colleges, obviously, government colleges, etc., which are subsidized, but there are very few. Mm -hmm. For the size of a population, not everybody can afford <clears throat> to go there. So you spend that much money over a 10-year period, nearly a decade, you know, before you're qualified to go in front of a patient and do justice. Okay? And there again, your salary will start modestly, maybe, you know, uh, uh, 50, 61 lakh, I'm not sure what a doctor earns, a junior doctor. And then they start, you know, picking up and going upwards from there. Uh, uh, government scale could be different, private could be different, your own practice could be different, but it's somewhere there. Nobody goes and says, oh, doctor's degree is so expensive that I can't afford it, I won't go. Every child you ask, what do you want to be? I want to be a doctor, I want to be an engineer. engineer. Even engineering degree from any decent college is not cheap. Yeah. And again, you have to go through, you know, various exams. Okay, IIT, etc. government run. But if you want to go into any private, that's the same thing with management colleges. You want to go into ISB, you want to go into, you know, any other college of repute, you will end up spending 10, 20 lakhs, whatever. And then there are people going abroad for studies, you know, you know, uh, graduation, undergraduation, again, will cost you 20, 30, 40 lakhs over three to four years plus living expenses, then post-graduation equally high. Again, depends on which country, wherever you go. If you compare to these four verticals I discussed about, doctors, engineers, uh, you know, uh, management schools and international education, yeah. pilot training is cheaper than all of them, I can tell you that much. And it takes only 18 months at most, maybe even less. And let me also tell you one more thing. If you get a foreign degree in, let's say, graduation, post-graduation, or even if you go into a management degree, or you're going to become an engineer, the salaries, nobody guarantees a salary that I'll give you 1 lakh, 2 lakh, 3 lakh. To start with, you will start a little lower and then work your way up. And then based on your capability, you will reach that. All good. Now, pilot training in India, from any good institute, there are a lot of institutes. Some of them charge less, some of them are government run, but uh, you know, but, uh, there are limited seats there and it takes a bit longer because of the infrastructure uh, is limited there and there's, uh, they will prefer their own state candidates, etc. But if you go into a good private institute with decent, modern, advanced aeroplanes and where you have very well-trained instructors, which is most important, Aeroplanes and instructors are most important. Without these two, doesn't matter how nice your building is, doesn't matter. Your training cost could be between, let's say, 30 to 40 lakh rupees. Okay, around 40, 45 would be the top four or five schools, and late 30s or mid 30s would be the the second layer schools. So let's say 35 to 45 lakhs, and then type training take another lakh, uh, 10 lakhs, 12 lakhs, 15 lakhs. So let's say 50 to 60 lakh is the total amount required to become a pilot and then get type trained. I'm talking airline only. If it's flight training, then it's a little less. 
when you get in as a first officer, and and by the way, you start at twelve. We have had girls, uh, some girls starting at sixteen. Now for next two years, she could not drive a car, but she drove a plane. Her father came, you know, from a, a conservative family. She's saying that you know, ye uh, uh, flying karna chahti hai. Hamara ghar mein to koi bhi ladki gaya nahi hai. Kaise kaha? He said, no, no, no. India has got the highest uh, ratio of women's violence in the world. You're at the right place. Don't, no, no, she's very short. I said, sir, this is a modern day plane. You can adjust your seats. You can adjust your pedal. You can do everything. There's no need to be six foot tall to be. These are all again uh, uh, fallacies, you know. Yeah. You, you know, eyesight with specs. Yeah, sure. Corrected vision. You can fly. No problem. You need to pass your class two, class one medical. Uh, basics parameters are taken care. You can fly. So she was 16. Obviously, she's still growing. Mm-hmm. So she got a solo. Long before she was even allowed to touch a car, and she was flying a five crore single engine and a ten crore multi engine over a you know large metropolis like Hyderabad in clear abandon, when probably her sisters and her brothers of that age were not even allowed to probably drive a motorcycle. Okay, and now she's eighteen, and she's grown taller too, obviously. So I said, hey, <laughs> I saw the other day. I said, hey. You know, Mama, you've grown taller, okay, mm-hmm. and she's a pilot. So at the age of eighteen, you're a pilot, and let's say you get through an airline type training and all that stuff. Eighteen, nineteen. I'm saying minimum. Of course, it could be later too. Pre-pandemic, as soon as you're released as a first officer, releasing means once you join, you go through some internal ground training and then supernumerary flights and so on and so forth, check pilots, and then you're released as a first officer. The salary could be anywhere between one and a half to two and a half lakhs. Tell me few professions that you can think of off the top of your head, which pays an 18 or a 19 year old starting salary of 20 to 30 lakh rupees per annum. Okay, not many I can think of. God knows I wasn't paid that when I was 18, or much less. <laughs> okay, so. With that type of salary, if you spend fifty, sixty lakh rupees at that age, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, you're earning twenty, thirty lakhs. You can, if you take a loan either from internal or bank or you know through your father or mother, whatever, you can pay off the loan in two years' time, three years' time flat because you have most of them don't have much commitment at that age. You're not married. You don't have kids. You don't have huge responsibilities. You're getting twenty, thirty lakhs minus taxes and your expenses. Two, three years, boom. You're paid to this thing, and if that's your starting salary, once you become an ATPL pilot, a captain, or whatever, your salary will cross three, four lakhs, five lakhs, and then you can go on. This is your starting salary, mm-hmm. and pilot profession is one of the few professions where you can fly till the age of sixty-five, provided you keep your medical fit. Right. So you have forty-five years of flying career ahead of you, with a starting salary of anywhere between twenty to thirty lakhs. Where do you think it'll go in sixty-five years? Okay, so it makes me think that <clears throat> I wish I had done that, but you know I couldn't afford it. <laughs> I could only afford to see it at that time. So, uh, but uh, I am thankful. God's been kind. I mean, from that, you know, now we have four aeroplanes. We bought three more. So you know, uh, I, I, I'm thankful. But that is, I wanted to demystify this pilot this thing. It is a mm-hmm. lot, lot cheaper than lot many other courses which most kids are doing today, whether it's doctors, engineers, or management courses, degrees, or if you take a loan, like I said, forty, fifty lakh loan, most people, you know, you put a house as a collateral or whatever, you can take a loan, and then there are loans available mm-hmm. where there is a moratorium for three years, so you mm-hmm. don't need to start paying the loan the day you take it. So you take a loan today through your father, obviously at that age maybe. Parents or who are relatives that who gives you a loan uh, or uh, through a bank with a collateral, and you can ask them for a three-year moratorium, saying that I will start paying the loan three years later, which means it allows you to finish your course and get a job and then start paying from your job. No problem, no problem. So that the pressure of paying the EMI doesn't come on you or your uh, family, family when you're still training. So mm-hmm. these are various ways. I mean, APFT has tied up with the bank who has. This facility, these are ways that mm-hmm. you know uh, you can, uh, and uh, it's not that. Uh, and I'll tell you that more than ninety percent of our cadets are all from middle class, 
uh, mm. background or thereabouts. There are very few whose dad has cut a single check and say, okay, go. Okay. Yeah. Most of them are from such backgrounds and, you know, they're doing well. And we want such people to come into aviation. We don't want aviation to be an elitist. I wasn't one. I wouldn't want it to mm. remain one. We want, uh, as the government's stated objective, stated vision plan is Udega Deshka Am Nagrik, Udan, U D A N. If you Am Nagrik Udega, then Am Nagrik only has to pilot it as well. Very true. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can't have a rich guy flying Am Nagrik, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 yeah, that's what is uh, uh, demystifying this part. Right. And thank you so much, sir, for putting this light on that. Pilot training is not the expensive one out there in the market. That doctor's example that you gave right till super specialization, not only you're putting in the money, but you're also putting in the time. Whereas the rate of return out here is much faster than that of other professions that are out there. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So fabulously put out there, sir. Now, um, you know, since I have been into aviation for the last six, seven years and majority of it is into training academics and all of that. Nice. And I've, I've seen uh, a lot of my batchmates and others as well. He, you know, chalo abroad jake pilot training. Okay. <laughs> you know, let's, let's go abroad. Let's, let's go to New Zealand. Let's go to Canada. Let's go to, uh, you know, America. We might end up getting a citizenship out there. I mean, a lot of, lot of, lot of, uh, you know, sort of flow out there in the market around such things. So, what is your take on this? Is it worthy enough to do it from abroad? Uh, how does that compare to doing your pilot training from India? Second most important question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, see, as a free citizen of the country, everybody has a right to train where they want uh, to train. So mm-hmm. just like said, you know, if somebody wants to go and study in Harvard or Oxford, mm-hmm. nobody to say don't go. Please do. No problem. However, at this point in time, there is an extraordinary amount of people who used to go abroad, most because of lack of information, first and second, some disinformation. Too. I want to rest. The most biggest uh, uh, lack of information, I would say, is that pilot training abroad is more sophisticated. It is more... Uh, how do you say uh, quality is better and let me address that first mm-hmm. our pilot training institutes we have had foreign training organizations pilot training organization foreign airlines and domestic airlines like indigo like Vistara, like air asia and many others who have come and inspected our facilities talked to our inspectors audited our facilities and found us to be absolutely at and I'm talking about large foreign organizations up to 14, 15 billion dollar turnover in aerospace. Okay. Right. And these are marquee names. I'm not taking their names here because, okay, confidentiality part. Some of them we train their pilots too. Okay. Advanced PPL and a uh, lot of them for uh, other courses. Very large organizations and, you know, organizations which have been in aerospace and aviation for over 50 years. They came and did an audit and found that we are fantastic. Okay. So that's one aspect. I'm talking about us. Okay. What is the most important uh, thing that you look at when you choose a flight training organization? When you choose a college, you look at the reputation, you look at placements, you look at, you know, whatever, Google it, you know, maybe talk to friends and families. Friends and family part doesn't help you much because there are not too many friends and family who are pilots will tell you or who have been in aviation. Mm-hmm. So you tend to Google and there are a lot of videos by so-called experts wearing pips, ties, mm-hmm. saying that I'm a pilot and talking absolute baloney. Some of them, I look at it and say, what is this person talking about? And unfortunately, there are a lot of youngsters who are following them you know, liking them, saying, thank you, sir, for the information. I said, listen, son, listen, kid, that's not correct information. But, you know, you can't, uh, you know, go and start refuting every single video out there. Now, go as for logic. When you go for flight training, what is the most important thing? The most important thing when you fly an airplane 
when you go to flight train if i were to ask you safety i'll say um, 100% this mm-hmm. the minute to leave the ground beyond 10 20 feet safety becomes safety. very very critical so right. when you go to a driving school also first thing you see ki boss how safe are they accident to nahi hota when you go on flying 100% you need to look at the safety record you want to come back home every day for the rest of the training and you know be a successful pilot safety is number one not disputable mm-hmm. that can only be assessed by how many accidents or fatalities does has your institute have right mm-hmm. and that is a published figure nobody can hide it you can go on to the dgca website and check or you can write to dgc and say how many accidents had had you know flight training industry or rti or whatever okay it's, it's a public information because it's not to be hidden it's like an airline you know how many crashes has x airline has it's documented nobody can deny it right so you come to know second most important is what when you choose a flight training school other than safety what else are you looking at and say the quality of the instructors or all that leads to what um job aspect exactly and now the first is safety you don't want injury you don't want god forbid anything you want safely mm-hmm. uh, help and you know come back uh, you know successfully after your training after your training what do you want you want a job if these two parameters are met by that flight school it doesn't matter if it's on top of mount everest or it's in timbuktu okay right. well, we've done a website number one is that in 10 years we have had zero accidents by god's grace okay wow. the uh, zero injuries or fatalities that is the biggest achievement we had financial all the other things are secondary number two we have had over 97% placements and i say 97 because wow. two 3% personal choice some people have gone here there abroad changed mind or gone into another profession 97 if 97% pilots are hired by all the nine airlines in the country over the last 10 years there must be something that are trainees and instructors uh, and uh, uh, our team is doing right and this is endorsed by multiple airlines if these two parameters are met then comes how much time it takes doesn't matter i told you 45 years of career you have we fly out of a controlled airfield we fly out of uh, you know shamshabad airport rajgandhi international airport hyderabad we fly out of begumpet airport hyderabad these two airports are nine nautical miles apart and between them they have 800 arrivals and departures a day then within a 25 kilometer radius we have dindigul air force base and hakimpet air force base put together our entire flying environment is close to 800 to 1000 air traffic movements a day at peak time it's yeah. as good as doing flight training in bombay airport or delhi airport. okay if right. you fly in that environment you cannot fly unless you are a proficient pilot it's like putting a kid on ring road or on nariman point or which city are you in by the way Uh, Mumbai, Mumbai, Mumbai. If I put uh, you know a driver in Nariman Point, and mm-hmm. he or she doesn't know how to drive, he cannot survive. Okay. Cannot survive. Yeah. So if you fly in that, and if you train somebody in Nariman Point to how to learn how to drive, I'm telling you, he or she will be the best driver in the world, and that's exactly what we're doing. However, if you train in Nariman Point, it's going to take a little longer than if you train in a village road. you know somewhere back of beyond of course you can drive there is nobody on the road but then you're not fit to fly in a congested environment so right. it'll take not i would say not not fit to fly it'll take you time because then you need to have experience and it's not just a matter of situational awareness and how much airplanes are there it is also the rd the radio telephony we fly out of a controlled airfield which means it's controlled by airport authority through professional air traffic control officers at mm-hmm. at coast atcos and mm-hmm. they speak in a very very defined atc language which is called you know flight radio unit telephony operators license you're supposed to get and then you talk only like that you can't say please sir can i land first no 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 that's not the way to say it. there is a particular way to say it. and these professional operators will not tolerate somebody who is not doesn't know how to talk they will simply not let him or high fly they'll say please land back you're not safe to fly so if you do 200 hours 18 to 12 you know 12 to 24 months in that environment you are absolutely proficient so these are the two criterias that you choose and the third one the quality of training like i said which leads to 100% placement
time taken. Some people will claim that I do it in one year. You know, I do it in six months. There are people say I do it in four months, six months. I don't know about those. You know, if you do your MBBS in one year, I'm not sure whether you'll be able to learn that fast or not. Everybody is a genius that who can absorb it. It takes certain time to absorb it. So 12 to 14, 18 months is a good enough time to learn. And that's what is a normally prescribed timeline for all over the world. What's the hurry? You're 18, 90. You have another 45 years to fly. So 45 become 44 and a half. Is that such a big deal? No. Learn properly. Now, then comes the money, of course. Money is directly proportional to the value you get. You have a safe flying studio, gets you a job. And then, of course, the more important is the airplanes. Now, we fly Diamond DA-40 and 42 airplanes. These are one of the world's most advanced flight training aircraft. There are some more, but it's a very expensive parachute, etc. But among the other ones, this is the most advanced and the most expensive. This is also made of a carbon fiber composite material. You might have going, heard of Boeing 787, which is a yes. <laughs> dreamliner. The entire yeah. body is made of all Formula One cars. So they are light in weight. They are low-wing airplanes with jet fuel burning power plants. Most flight training aircraft use av gas, aviation gas, mm -hmm. which are expensive and also difficult to get. Uh, recently, IOCL has started producing in India. But it'll take a time for the supply, but otherwise there were supply shortages and price shooting up. Jet fuel is available in every airport because that's what is used by all the airlines. So, right. and us, we have Garmin 1000 glass cockpit, which is the latest, uh, uh, you know, avionics fee. And then we have something called SPEDEX, which is fully authorized digital engine control system, which is a safety feature as well as an efficiency and productivity feature. These airplanes 10 years back were the first ones to be brought in the country. So the quality of the airplanes, the infrastructure, I told you, you're flying out of Shamshabad, Begumpet and Gulbarga, which is a new airport, which is also controlled, but with less. So we have a mixture that, you know, initial training will do in Gulbarga because it's faster and less congestion. And as a graduate, we'll bring them to a more congested airfield so that they have a good mix. And the result right. is, I've had some very senior pilots of very large Indian airlines calling and saying, normally when we put a new first officer, our captains say that, you know, oh, you know, workload is increased. These boys and girls are very young and they're very little nervous. And, you know, my workload increases. I have to talk to ATC all the time. He says, and then there are these few boys and girls who come. He says, uh, my pilots complain that they don't let me do the work. They say, I want to talk to ATC. I want to push back. I want to, you know, uh, uh, you know, enter the runway. I want to take off. I want to land. He said, where are these guys come from? So I said, sir, 200 hours, they have trained in one of the most toughest environments. So for them, when I ask them, sometimes I see them when I'm flying between India. They see me from the cockpit and they come out and say, hey, sir, you know, uh, how are you? Such a pleasure to okay. see one of okay. your students flying you. I said, oh, okay, great. I'm safe today. I'm in your hands. And they say, I said, how's commercial flying? He says, sir, honestly, it's a bit boring. Because, you know, most of it's automated, you know, I, uh, that's why I asked, you know, I do the, you know, uh, uh, ground, you know, pre-flight, uh, walkabout and all that stuff. You enter the runway, you climb to, you know, 30,000 feet, put on autopilot, then I'm waiting for landing. Okay. <laughs> Whereas out there, you know, we, it was action-packed throughout. So that is, you know, the proof of the pudding is in eating it. When the, when the uh, senior captains, uh, you know, uh, flight ops uh, chiefs call and say that, you know, your, your guys are doing so well and our captains appreciate Okay. That is moksha for us. Perfect, perfect. And we have sort of demystified a lot of things. So one point on your yeah. foreign part, that being the case, to okay. say that a foreign institute is better, I do not agree. Of course, there is a pyramid. There are a lot of flight schools which might not be of this caliber and they might use some not so safe methods. And you might have read in the media or in the this thing that there are some fake trainings going on, overlogging typically, which means you fly 10 hours and you log 12, 13, 14, whatever hours. Mm -hmm. Or the popular terminology, like, you know, there was this movie where uh, you know, Keanu Reeves or Christian uh, Slater, I think, said that they lost a nuclear weapon uh, and they call it broken arrow. So the, his officer said, I don't know what is more uh, alarming, the fact that we lose a uh, you know nuclear weapon or we lose it so often that we have a nickname for it. Okay. <laughs> So here, there is a terminology called dolo, which basically in every flight 
pilot's career. Solo is the most critical phase. First time, like I said, that yeah. 16-year-old girl, she came when she trained. So anywhere from, let's say, approximately 15, 20, 25 hours, you get a solo, which means your first time taking an airplane on your own and flying, taking off, talking to ATC and, and your you know neighboring airplanes come and land safely. That is the ultimate. That's when the rubber meets the road. That, unfortunately, some of the schools apparently do not have confidence in their pilots and they put a one more pilot mm -hmm. incognito without recording it on the manifest. Mm. And they put an instructor or in some cases worse, another carrot training pilot or a pilot mm -hmm. so that there is a, a the, 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 that so-called carrot solo pilot in case he or she messes up, they can take over. Well, in case they messes up, they're not fit for solo. They shouldn't be doing solo. Exactly. That thing has become so prevalent, they call it dolo because there are two people. Okay. So that's why I said, what's more alarming is the fact that it happens or it happens so often that there is a nickname for it. So there are those ones. Avoid mm -hmm. those. Talk around. People come to know who do Who logging? Who does dolo? And these are unfortunately those places, some places, you know, where the safety is compromised. Yes. But that's like saying all colleges in India are bad. There are some colleges where we heard cases of cheating or whatever. But hey, we got some of the best colleges, whether it is medical, engineering, management. In every field, we have some of the best colleges in the world in this country. There may be some bad eggs. Same as the case of flight, flight training. There may be some bad eggs here and there, but a majority of the schools, or at least the, the good ones, do not do is as good as abroad. And when you do training abroad, when you come back, you have to do a conversion training to get a DGC abroad Indian license, which means, again, you have to pass theory exams as well as fly. So that's right. added cost. And these days, getting a visa, like US, I believe there's a three-year waiting list. Uh -huh. Most countries do have and pandemic, you know, all that. Plus, you have to pay foreign exchange, you know, the Dollars appreciating that, you know, you'll have to pay a lot, lot more. And this is a fallacy saying that if you go and get a pilot uh, license uh, in some other country, you'll get citizenship. No, they prefer their own pilots first. In the very extreme cases, you might. No way that, you know, just because you got a pilot license, you will get a job there. No, you have. And by the way, it's India which has the jobs. We have yeah. expats pilots flying here. We pandemic again we have hundreds of expats flying here why are we flying expats if we have enough indians qualified and they are coming here why would you go to their country obviously there's lock of jobs that's why they're coming here so you have to come here to fly anyway so these are the reasons why i would say india yeah but somebody wants to get an experience to go yeah fine but absolutely not required right and i think sort of this discussion has surely rested this argument of India versus abroad. I think you have put a lot of critical points out here. Yes, there are certain bad acts, but that doesn't mean that the entire basket is going to be, uh, you know, a uh, waste out there, right? So I think that's that's rightly put. I just want you to wear your CEO hat once again. And I have got this critical question of, yes, you mentioned that the Indian aviation industry is going to grow and that's how the numbers are projecting. More aircrafts are going to come in. How are you aligning Asia-Pacific FTO's growth to the Indian growth? Uh, what are your plans going forward as an FTO? Uh, good question. Last two years have been terrible for us. Like I said, terrible for all of us and the whole world. Every business has suffered and we're no different. Mm -hmm. However, we did not just sit and wait, you know, I can't recollect who said this, but one very well-known CEO said uh, during the last recession, I remember my boss quoting in 2008-9, saying that one way is to, you can't shrink your way to success, okay? Because there is drop of business and you say, I cut you know, manpower, I cut salary, I cut investment, cut training, cut travel, cut marketing, you will ultimately vanish. He says the aggressive way to get out of a recession is spend your way out of recession. Of course, it's easy to say or expand your way out of recession. So what we did in the last two years is, and which links with what you said that how are we getting ready? 
the best way, best time to invest and expand is, you know, when? Is in a recession. Recession, yeah. That's when you have capital available, you have manpower available, you have equipment available. So what we did was, between 2020 and 21, we went and got a third airport. Okay, now we have three airports, three controlled airfields. I don't think there are many flight schools or any who have three, and that two such major airfields mm-hmm. to do flight training in. We got Gulbarga Airport, Kalaburgi. It is 11,000 feet runway, very long. Okay, you can land almost any plane there if you want. And uh, uh, it's just got about three or four flights a day, uh, commercial planes, uh, small aircraft, uh, uh, you know, uh, Embraer's and uh, ATRs. So rest mm-hmm. of the airfield is free. So we got, then we built a hangar. We built a, we got a 55,000 square feet land space inside that. Uh, mm-hmm. From Airport Authority of India, we signed an agreement for 25 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. We built a full-fledged hangar there for all our airplanes. We built a full office infrastructure, classrooms, uh, you know, uh, uh, maintenance, continuing airworthiness management office, uh, uh, flight instructor's office, ATC, the works. Mm -hmm. Our own apron. So far, we used to park in others' apron. So we did that. Then we also went and purchased three more airplanes. We are now in the process of getting some more. So we are nearly doubling our fleet and we intend to keep on doing that over the next uh, four years. We have very clear chalked out plans to do this and we're going to add some more airports where it is one stages of discussion. So, and of course, we are also increasing the manpower. So we have increased in certain areas. We are currently looking out for about five flight instructors, okay, mm-hmm. from all ranges, Western flight instructor to flight instructor to senior flight instructors and ground instructors and also engineers, especially mm-hmm. with the uh, AMEs with B1.2 or any other modules plast for uh, uh, aircraft maintenance engineers and some other uh, staffing in administrative functions as well. So that's what we are. Right. So, so quite in line with, with the growth of Indian aviation. Yeah, that is that is is what I could say. Um, last but not the least, sir, um, the one... Uh, standout element of your FTO has been your, you know, immaculate safety record. And I think not you, but uh, I also, uh, you know, feel a sense of pride in that, that, okay, yes, there is an aviation FTO in India uh, that has got a a, a very spick and span safety record. So if our listeners want to reach out to you, um, what are the ways through which uh, someone could connect with you directly or let's say with your FTO? Okay. First of all, we have a website called apft.edu.in. That is Asia Pacific Flight Training, apft.edu, Eco Delta Uniform, India, November. Then we have an email, which is admissions at apft.edu.in and registrar at apft.edu.in. These two emails, as well as the website, uh, website has the phone number as well. Okay, uh, the phone number, if you want, do you want me to cite the phone number or? We could flash it out as well. That's actually. Okay. I, yeah. I can tell you the, uh, we have an admissions phone number and the phone number is uh, 98105 9810578. 9810578. 9810578. Perfect. Yes. And, okay. Uh, and uh, this is available on WhatsApp as well as on calls. And you could write to us on admissions at apft.edu.in or registrar at apft.edu.in. We respond instantaneously within a day. And uh, we have some very good young folks working on it. Rakesh, who put us in touch, uh, you know, he's managing. Uh, Business development marketing is a is a new induction, and we have a young lady called Laksha, uh, and you know, headed by Chief Ground Instructor Soundya. Uh, mm-hmm. They are the people who deal with the student uh, related issues, uh, queries, and uh, admissions, and so on and so forth. Right, perfect. Uh, thank you so much, sir, for that wonderful insight into the world of uh, you know FTOs and how markets are. 
moving on to the most entertaining section of our podcast which is so just one point on this and yeah. if some folks want to visit the facility to see it for themselves that also is possible get in touch with the uh, this thing uh, we have to arrange a pass etc to enter the airport you mm-hmm. can visit our facility or of course admin office in rajiv gandhi international airport uh, shamshabad hyderabad and gmr aero towers you can walk in any time there or better that you call and fix an appointment so we'll make sure people are there sorry carry on right right no no perfect perfect i think that was quite important nothing could beat the physical uh, visit of uh, the fto right so that's quite important moving on to one of the most entertaining segments of our podcasts uh, it's called as the rapid fire round uh-huh. um, i am going to ask you a couple of short crisp questions and i would like your viewpoints on that so um my first question to you is what is your favorite uh, aircraft that you want to be trained upon as a pilot diamond, diamond. without without uh, a, a <laughs> doubt right perfect now uh, once you once you have trained upon let's say on a diamond uh, what is your favorite aircraft that you want to be type rated well i am a romantic and most people in uh, you know my era we were fascinated with boeing 747 the jumbo jet unfortunately she is being retired now though 747-8 which yeah. is a code f category airport 747 400 was up to code e category mm-hmm. uh, -8 is still flying you know lufthansa flies for passengers and cathay flies for cargo and so on and so forth but otherwise the conventional uh, 747 is being retired but she is called as the queen of the sky she is a beauty her especially a landing uh, uh, flare as well as the takeoff is is they say poetry in motion so definitely i'm a romantic so i'd like to fl- fly that <laughs> <laughs> there you go right now moving on what is the biggest lie that you have heard uh, about pilot training biggest lie mm. yeah. that pilot that uh, the pilot jobs are difficult to get and uh, uh, pilots have no future uh, they cannot be a bigger lie <laughs> <laughs> very well stated now um, over the decades you have worked as a corporate professional now you are sort of on an entrepreneurial journey uh, if if there is a choice you want to make corporate versus entrepreneurship what is that you will be end up choosing without a doubt entrepreneurial because you can do what you want and there is no bigger contribution that you can do towards big words like nation building or your contribution is to create another job so when you hire a housekeeper or a driver at home you're doing that but as an entrepreneur you have instead of expecting the government or somebody else to create a job for you you created your own job and now you're creating for others so that is the most satisfactory and fulfilling experience on the other hand of course it's a lot of responsibility because today when you're working you're responsible for your family when you become an entrepreneur you suddenly become responsible for 50 60 100 families and there is a tree in aviation they say one aviation job creates 6.5 additional jobs so if you have 50 people you're suddenly responsible for over 300 400 families so that's the responsibility portion and of course you can do what you want to do or what you dreamt of doing so but uh, you know a corporate professional experience is what is waiting role i don't think i could have been able to do a lot of things that i'm doing today if it wasn't for the kind guidance and mentoring given by my past bosses my managers my gurus my colleagues and some of the stellar uh, standards and uh-huh. of ethics and integrity that are learned in companies right from beginning from blue dot to fedex to Yamar and so on and so forth. So uh, that's also important. So you get some experience and you start on an entrepreneurial journey. That's the best combination. Perfect, brilliant. Um, what is that one thing you would like to see changing in the flight training space? You know those bad eggs. I want them to be out because they bring bad name to the entire industry, mm-hmm. and this is one of the few in the world where a bad college or a bad school can flunk kids k 
can probably make it difficult for them to get a job. But a bad flight training organization kills people. Okay. I want them to vanish overnight if I had a magic wand out because you're doing damage to the reputation of the country and the industry. Right. Very true. And last but not the least, if you were not into aviation, then what you had been doing? <laughs> Very interesting. I don't know. I wanted to be a singer, an actor, a lawyer at one time, even a journalist at one time. But uh, uh, since it's a hypothetical question and a fantasy one, I wanted to be a Formula One driver and a footballer. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Right, right from the fantasy world. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, sir. That brings us to an end of our today's podcast. Uh, it was a pleasure having you, sir. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It is a pleasure talking to you. And thanks for asking very relevant question, which hopefully the youngsters can, uh, uh, you know, look at it and, like I said, demystify and only get the right information. Most important thing is to get the right information. Right. Very true. Very true. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much for you. Thanks all. Thanks to all all your team members. Thanks for listening patiently. We hope this podcast have added value to your time with us. With a lot of great content on the lineup, be sure that you have already followed us. For more exciting content and groundbreaking certificate programs, head over to udanaviationacademy.com. Thank you.